Well, good morning from your couch or your chair or wherever you find yourself viewing our worship service today. Another great uh, worship set, one of my favorite songs that they just sang, uh, Blessed Assurance. Uh, but I wanted to, before we start today, our, getting our text in Genesis 12, share with you uh, how proud I am to be a part of this church and how thankful I am for, your, for how this church is, is, is living in these days of quarantine, the phone calls that are happening, uh, checking in on people, uh, the stories I'm hearing from that, uh, those that are uh, on our prayer team that are, that are receiving prayer requests and doing a great job uh, calling one another and praying for our prayer requests and our staff doing the same, and I know our board is doing the same. Uh, for those that are filling up food boxes for Food for the People and, and giving gener- generously to Food for the People and also uh, to Target Dayton, we can't say thank you enough. Thank you for being the church. Thank you for loving the people uh, in this community, and uh, we just uh, want to say today we are so proud of you. Uh, but if I'm honest, uh, I truly miss everyone. I miss gathering as the body of Christ here at the church. I miss seeing the buzz in the atrium between services and, and the, the, the energy in the worship uh, center as we are gathered together worshiping, and I look forward to that day. And if I was truly honest with you, and, and I want to ask you a question as well, how many of you have had moments um, where, maybe it's just a few times, but moments where maybe fear has creeped in for the future, uh, some uncertainty for the future of not knowing what is next? And I know every single time it is the enemy at work, it is the enemy whispering, sowing seeds of, of doubt, sowing seeds of of confusion, sowing seeds of fear, and every once in a while, I feel like that springs up in my heart and in my mind uh, throughout this quarantine, and I'm sure you found yourself in that place as well, Uh, but the good news today that we're going to look at is our future, it's not in our hands, it's not specifically uh, even in our own power, but it is in God's hands, the creator of the universe, the one that, 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 that set the pace for us and the one that created you and me. But I want to ask you this question as well. Uh, How many of you would say today that you wish you could see into the future? Uh, Maybe the future for your family, the future for your kids, uh, the future for your job, the future for what's coming next in maybe just a few weeks or a month or maybe 12 to 18 uh, months down the road. Many of us would say, man, I just want to know what is coming next. And then there's others that would say, I don't know that I want to know what's coming in a month or what's coming in 12 to 18 or even in five years or 10 years. But the reality is today uh, that no matter how much we prepare, no matter how much we get ready, no no matter how much we put a pencil to paper getting ready for what is next, uh, we can't control our own future. But what we can do and what we're going to see today through a great story in Genesis 12 is we can put our future into the hands of a God, into the hands of a God that has our best interest in heart. So that leads us to our story today. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Genesis 12. We're going to be there in a moment. Uh, Or also, you can look on our church app. We always provide the scriptures on there as well. We'll be on Matthew 6 a little bit later. Uh, But Genesis 12, the story of Abram, of where God called Abram uh, to do something incredible. And we know this wasn't far into Scripture, right? Uh, we know Genesis 1, the creation story takes place, that God created the heavens uh, and the earth. And then we know that God created mankind, uh, male and female, and, and, he, and he called us to, uh, to, to, to be blessed and to be fruitful and to multiply. And it didn't take long uh, for man to make it about themselves, to blow it. 
When we read about the fall in Genesis 3 and how wicked uh, the human race, as it began to grow, it actually became, and it grieved God's heart of what has happened to the human race. And you can read the story, you keep going through with Noah and the flood, the Tower of Babel, and you skip ahead to chapter 12, and Abram comes on to the scene. And we know him as Abraham. You can read in Genesis 17 where his name was changed. But Abraham was used for a powerful work. But what I want you to catch really more than anything else today is Abraham's trust and obedience and his yes to God, even in the midst of great, great uncertainty. And there's a principle that we'll learn today and and we'll see today in Scripture that in order to experience God's best, in order to step into God's best, in order to even to be used by God, that it will require us, as we're going to see with Abram today, it will require us to leave. It will require us to step out. It will require us to trust and obey and take that step of faith. With Abram, it doesn't mean we're always going to have to leave with our, a physical location that, hey, you need to pack up your bags and we're sending you somewhere else. But it could mean so many other things about what God is calling you to leave. He could be calling you to leave a way of thinking. Maybe that's a part of your uh, testimony and your story that God, I mean, he had to shift. He had to completely change some ways that you were thinking, some ways that you were uh, believing, some ways that you were carrying on your life. Maybe it's leaving a sin. Maybe it's leaving some old baggage in the past and, and repenting of it and giving it to God and, and moving on. But we serve a God that wants to use your life He wants to use my life. He wants to use the life of everyone listening to this message. And more than often than not, he will ask us to leave in order for us to get to a place that he wants us to get so our lives can be used for his glory and for his honor. It's to step out in faith. The scripture is littered with stories like this. From the disciples, hey, I want you to leave and follow me. I'm gonna make you a fisher of men. With Abram, right? Abraham, with Paul, with Jonah, with the list goes on and on and on. Those that said yes to God, and God used them for a powerful time in history, and we still read about them today. So let's jump into it, Genesis 12, uh, 1 through 4, all right? And uh, we'll read those first, first few passages. It says, The Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. So first we see there's a command to Abram. And now we're going to see God give him uh, seven different promises along with that command. He says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those that bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Wow. Sounds like some incredible promises that God, through this one command, said, hey, I want you to leave what you know, leave your country. I've got a plan for you. And what did Abram do when God said, hey, I need you to, I need you to leave your country? Did he question God? No. Uh, did he begin to, to, to weigh the pros and the cons? He did not. The Bible doesn't speak to that. Uh, did he get to a place where he had to call a meeting to see, hey, what, what should I do? He didn't do any of that. But we read in verse four, Abram left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him as well. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. I believe that's in Scripture, so it can point to, man, it's against all odds that he would say yes to this. But listen, he did. He said yes, and he left as the Lord had told him. 
75, and God is just getting started with Abram. You know, as I read this story, uh, read the story this week, I, I think it's for someone today that may think, well, man, I, I'm not sure I can be used by God anymore. Or you know what, maybe my better years are behind me. I'm not sure God can use me. I think that is, that is a lie from the enemy and that God wants to use you. Maybe what, just what if his greatest divine appointment for you is, is coming very shortly or maybe even just a few years down the road that God still wants to use you. And it makes me wonder, what age do we quit dreaming, right? At what age do we just say, hey, I'm gonna mail it in and I don't know if God can use me for great things anymore. I want you to know if you have breath in your lungs that God is not done with you, and he may want to use you. You may be retired, you may be at home, and you may say, I don't even know what is next, but maybe God has his best thing for you next. And what he's calling you to do is to step in and, and to obey and to trust and to believe that he has great plans for you. Also, if you have breath in your lungs, I can't encourage you enough. Would you use your wisdom? Would you use the years that have passed? Use your perseverance through some of the hardest times in life Use your story, use what God has taught you, and would you pass it on to the next generation? I believe Abram did that in a powerful way. But here in Genesis 12, it's obvious that Abram was living a life of faith, a life of bold faith. He could not see what was next, but he stepped out in faith because God asked him to do so. And the question we can ask ourselves today, and it's a great question, is the season that we are finding ourselves in. Are you trusting God with your future? Are you trusting God with your future? And more often than not, God is always trying to get us to leave where we are, to go to where he wants us to be so he can use our lives for his glory and for his honor. And it doesn't mean we think, man, if God's calling me to leave, I don't want to leave. I like where I'm living. Maybe it's not geographical that he's asking you to leave. Maybe it's something spiritual. Maybe spiritually right now, you're just, it's, you know you're not in tune with God. And what God wants more than anything else during this time is he wants you to leave the, uh, where you are now spiritually and step into what he has for you and to pick up his word and to read it and to pray so that he can use your life for bigger, for greater, for more things and for his glory and for his honor. I believe many, and I believe the church is gonna see a wave as soon as this pandemic comes to rest and this virus is, is halted in its, in its, in its tracks that there's gonna be a wave of people stepping back into the church. And maybe during this time, you've realized, man, I need to leave the life I was living before. And I, I realize more than ever the importance of being a part of the body of believers, the, the importance of gathering with the saints, the importance of worshiping, the importance of community with the church. Maybe it's, you've realized over these past few weeks, you need to leave the remote, right? And put the remote down and, and, and pick up God's word instead and be filled with God's living, breathing word and spend some more time in prayer. We can saturate our mind with the news and with the roller coaster that we find ourselves in. Or we can step into the steady, the blessed assurance that God has for us and we can step into what he has for us. Maybe during this quarantine, you've realized the power of a small group, um, that you need to be in one that there's great power in community, or maybe you're the recipient of being in one and you're bearing the fruit of being in one right now. There is a great power in community when we find ourselves isolated, when we find ourselves in a quarantine, and I can't encourage you enough to maybe leave where you were and to step into community, into a community group. And if you wanna be in one now, would you, would you communicate with the church? 
We would love to plug you into one now, even though we're not meeting physically. There are groups all over this, this body meeting virtually, and we can help you with that. Maybe it's your tongue. You need to you leave the, the past the way you were using your tongue and use your tongue to, instead of unwholesome talk, rather to build up others in the faith. Maybe it's a sin issue you need to leave. Uh, you've just been living in disobedience to God, and there's a sin that just keeps nagging, and it's habitual, and you keep running back to it for comfort, and you keep running back to it for hope, and it always fails, and it always sells you short. And God is calling you today, and he's been whispering in your ear these past few days, these past few weeks, or maybe months, that, hey, you need to get rid of this. You need to leave this so that you can step into the abundant life that I have for you. Maybe it's leaving some, some brokenness or some baggage from the past, and you realize, I don't know that I've ever given this back to God because he can take it. I don't know if I've ever forgiven. I don't know if I've ever asked for forgiveness and you realize today that, man, you need to leave that past. You need to leave the baggage of the past and step into what God has for you today. There's so many things, church, these past eight weeks that God has been stripping us of, removing from our lives so that we can step in and we can get in right standing with the Father and we can move towards him. It is happening all over the world. God has immeasurably more for you and for me, but more often than not, we need to leave where we are, and we need to step into what God has for us. The scripture says that Abraham left, and you know what the spiritual enemy wants to do when you leave that old life, when you leave that sin, when you leave the stuff that you know should not be a part of your life anymore? He will whisper in your ear, hey, you don't have what it takes. You shouldn't leave that. Why would you ever step away from that? People are gonna make fun of you. People are gonna rip you. And, and while the enemy does have a point to make that you don't have what it takes, that is true. We don't have what it takes, but we put our life in the hands of a God that does have what it takes. And he has our best interest in mind. And he has hope that we can live in, that we can't do it on our own, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can experience the immeasurably more that all things are possible with our God and that we can step into his way, into his will. And listen, if you don't hear anything else today, is the point that we've already made. Uh, you may be worried about the future. You may be worried about today or this coming week or where the next paycheck is gonna come from and the list goes on and on and on that we must remember as Christ followers, our future is in God's hands. Our future is in God's hand. And when God says leave, when God says trust, when God says obey me in this area, we do it. We listen to his voice. And like Abraham, I want you to leave your country. We say, okay, God, I'm in. I'll obey. I will trust. I want to ask a few questions today for us to think about is, is why, why do we fail to leave? Why are we, when God calls us to something, when God calls us to a way of life, a Christian way of life, why are we hesitant to step into it? Why do we, why do we ask so many questions to God? Why do we walk through life and begin to say, well, I'm not sure that's going to work, and we begin to just pepper him with the whys and the hows, and, and I'm not sure, right? It's so hard, so hard in our, in our temperate, in our, in our carnal nature to, to tr truly trust God with our future. And I want to share a few things with Scripture why I feel like that is. And one's found in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. Paul is, 
is writing about this earthly tent that we live in and, and these earthly bodies that we have are, are going to fail us, right? As we get older, we all can realize that with the aches and pains and, and, and disease and stuff that can come our way. But, but the Bible paints a beautiful picture that God has an eternal home for us, that we'll, we'll get a new body and there'll be a new heaven, right, for us someday. But while we're here, he says in verse 7, uh, uh, he's in Second Corinthians, he says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. And the problem, the disconnect for us saying yes to God, or the reason we often lack trust in God or lack trust in the future of what he has for us is because we do the exact opposite, don't we? We walk by sight instead of walking by faith. And Abraham was called the father of faith. Why? Because he walked by faith, not by Sight. He was willing to step into what God had for him, even though he had no idea how it was going to turn out. He had no idea even what was on the other side when he got there, but he did it anyhow. Notice this key part in Genesis 12, verse 1. It says, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's house. And then what does it say? And go to the land I will show you. In other words, Abraham, I need you to leave. And then when you leave, he has no clue where he's even going, right? Talk about living by faith and not by sight. I love how Hebrews 11 verse 8 says it. It says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance. Listen to this. He obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. He had no clue. Church, we have no clue. What's tomorrow? We have no clue what's next week, what's in a month, what's in three months, six months, 12, 18. We have no idea what's coming in the future, but just like Abraham, we can trust and we can obey. And when God calls us to leave, we can even leave. That's what Abraham did. How many of you, if you're like me, you would have been like, God, you got to give me a little bit more than that, right? I mean, where am I going? Uh, what, where are you calling me to? Who's going to be there? What's the leadership team look like? Is it going to be warm? What kind of clothes should I pack? Am I going to have enough to eat? I don't even know if I have enough in the bank account to get there, right? And the list goes on and on and on. And as soon as all of our boxes are checked with all of our earthly whys, hows, and wins, and I don't know if this was going to work, when we check all of our boxes, we'll say, okay, then I'll go. Abraham, he didn't. He said, okay, I will go. And I will walk by faith, and I will not live by sight. And while many of us would say, God, show me, right? Spell it out some way through someone speaking to me, through circumstances in my life. Show me, and then I will go. And what we hear God saying in this particular passage, and I think it's how he works in our life a lot as well, is, no, 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 I want you to go. I want you to step out, and then I will show you where to go. Here's what faith is. Hebrews 11 one says, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance in what we do not see. So our faith, we don't always get the full picture. That's why it's called stepping out in faith. And we like all the answers before we go. But faith requires us to step out before we have all of the answers. I think of Abraham again in Genesis 22. Remember the story with Abraham and Isaac. God called out to Abraham and said, hey, I want you to take Isaac, your son, and I want you to sacrifice him. So Abraham starts going up the mountain, and he's, he's saying, God, I, uh, I, I don't know if he fully understood before he went, but he's saying, I don't see a lamb. I don't see anything to sacrifice. 
And he says, continue up the mountain. I want you to sacrifice your son. And Abraham was all the way to the point where he was ready to do it. An angel said to him, Abraham, Abraham, stop. And what did Abraham do in that moment? Could you imagine that? Walking your own son, your own child up the mountain to sacrifice. Abraham stepped out in faith. He walked by faith, not by sight. A crazy story all the way to the point of ready to do it because God told him to. And then he was stopped in his tracks. And God tested him and Abraham more than passed the test. We live by faith. We're not people that have all the answers. We as a church, we, we live by faith. We're not a church that acts like we have it all figured out. We live by faith and we go as a church where God calls us to go. But here's the warning shot. As soon as you do, as soon as you step out in faith, as soon as you say yes, as soon as you leave, the enemy's gonna whisper in your ear. Are you sure? What about? Uh, I don't think you have what it takes. You certainly are not qualified to go do that. Who do you think you are? Do you, have you ever looked at your past or realized you are not the person to step in and do this? And the list goes on and on and on. And if we're not careful, if we step out on our own power, we will mess up our life, right? But if we step out through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the power of the risen Christ, we can step into incredible things. Because our future is in God's hands, our future is not in our hands, and we are a people that walk by faith and follow God. I think another reason why we often maybe fail to step out in faith and to leave and say yes to God is, is just a fear, or a fear of, of failure. You ever had that, where just a fear of failure overwhelms you? And it's like this little man is just talking to you constantly saying, you are never going to make it happen. You are never going to be able to do this. And Abraham had every reason to think that he was not the person to do it, right? I mean, on paper, it's crazy that God would call him to do it. He's 75 years old at this point. And he says, I want you to leave your country. I want you to leave your people, leave your family. And I'm going to bless you and make you a great nation. Abraham's getting up there in years. His wife's a little bit older than him. His wife is barren. They have no children. And they would, he would have every right to ask, God, where is this great nation going to come from, right? I mean, get in Abraham's mind just for a moment. The logical response would be, Lord, could we look at all the possibilities of how this is not going to work? I mean, you're calling me to, to leave everything I know. I'm ready to retire. I'm ready to, to be done. I'm ready to sit back and relax a little bit. I'm 75, right? You couldn't be called. There, there's so many other people that are probably more qualified than me. Why? Me, what are people going to say? I like it how it is right now. And yet Abraham did not let his fear of failure rob him from being obedient to God. And so many times we will let fear paralyze us. I said at the beginning of the message, if you had moments through this quarantine where fear just kind of overwhelmed your heart, or maybe you just had some anxiousness and, and worry overwhelmed your heart. Church, we need not fear. Our lives are not in our hands. Our lives are in God's hands, and he will walk with us through everything. And God may be calling you today to, to leave that fear, to step away from that fear, because he wants to do something great through your life, and he wants to impact the kingdom through your life. But the father of lies, the great deceiver, Genesis 3, it says he's a, the enemy's like a serpent 
He will just continue to beat you down. He will continue to whisper to you. He knows your weak points. He knows your shortcomings, and he will magnify them in your life so that you won't take that step of faith. But as Christ followers, as God speaks, we listen. We say yes. We say yes before he even gets the full sentence out because, God, I don't even care where you're calling me, what you're calling me to. God, I say yes, and I will do it, and we follow God's command. And lastly, probably one of the biggest reasons we we don't trust God, and uh, we, we don't leave, and we don't step out in obedience, is because we genuinely don't trust God with our future. Oh, we may say that we do. We may get lip service to it. We may sing that we do. We may read some scripture and agree with it once in a while, but um, the way we live our lives would point to the fact that we don't always fully trust God with our future. Abraham trusted God with his future. I think specifically of the missionaries that are all over the alliance and the ones that have left this church that we support, that their yes is so powerful to me. They didn't know where they were. They're going to a town where they knew, they don't, they don't know anybody, and they're just going to that town to tell everybody or anybody that will listen about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think how powerful it is that they just said yes, and they trusted God with their future, even in the midst of great, great uncertainty. And there are stories all over this church and all over this community of those that have just stepped into what God has called them to. And I'll, I'll, be, I'll, I'll be honest with you as well. Some of my greatest ministry moments were moments where I just, you just have to step in and do it. And you, just, you didn't even know what you were doing in that moment, but you just said yes because God called you to do it. And they've had some of the most powerful conversations in ministry, some of the most powerful ministry serving opportunities by saying yes to things that God has called me too, and I know the same is true for you, but Abraham had real trust in his heavenly father. He had put his trust in his father's hands, and maybe God's speaking to some of you today. It's time to leave, and it's not a physical leave. Maybe it is. Maybe God's been nudging at your heart for quite some time that it is a physical leave. It's a physical move for you and your family or for you and your spouse to something else that God is calling you to or to missions work. But for the majority of people, maybe it's not. But I'm sure, certain that he is calling all of us to leave things in our life, to step into what he's called us to, to move us back on track and in his path and to move more in alignment with his, with his will. And I hope you hear God saying today, I want to use you. I want to use your life. I want to do more through your life. Church, I want to close today with a, with a passage in Matthew 6 powerful passage, and before we jump into Holy Communion together in unity. And I want you to remind, to remind you of Jesus' words, and really the great love that, that he has for you that many of you need to hear today, you need it to, to be deep-seated in your heart that God cares for you, and that you can trust him. And let these words sink in, Matthew 6, verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not worry. There's a lot of people worrying right now. A lot of people panicking, a lot of people nervous about what's next and where the next paycheck's going to come from and, and what's coming down the road and what's my job going to look like when I go back. And, and they're just nervous about what's next. They're full of worry. Why would God tell us this? Because he loves us and he wants us to know that he is in control. What a verse for our fridge just that we can look at every day as we walk up to it. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. And Jesus, he says this, he says, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body or what you will wear. 
And then notice the question that Jesus poses. Is life not more important than food? And the body more important than clothes? He's saying, don't you know that your Father in heaven loves you? He absolutely loves you. Jesus simply says, isn't your life more than the food you eat? Isn't it more than just wearing the name brand clothes? Isn't your life more than all the daily menial things that we think are so important? Jesus says, you're missing it. You're off track. You're missing the boat. You're off balance. And he goes on to say in verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? He's saying, your Father in heaven, he loves you. He is your provision. He cares for you. That your heavenly Father is going to take care of you. He takes care of the birds. And we love the birds, right? But he says, how much more does your Father in heaven love you? You can trust him with your future. Verse 27, he says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Jesus says, listen, worrying doesn't solve any problems, right? Rather, worrying, what does it do? It immobilizes us. It paralyzes us. It freezes us up. It robs the work of God in our life. But when we, when we give things to him, when we trust him, we can motivate and it can put us into action. He goes on in verse 28, and why do you worry about your clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grasses in the field, which are here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Jesus is teaching us again. Your Father in heaven, he loves you. You can have complete dependence upon him rather than just trying to be self-sufficient through life. Trust in your God. He will take care of you. And then he goes on to say, oh, you of little faith. Do not worry. Trust God with your future. Trust God with your tomorrow. And then he closes at verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus loves you. And here's what he's telling you today. Here's what he's whispering to you today as we go into communion. Trust me. Seek me first. Put me first. Make me number one in your life. Trust me with your life. Trust me during this pandemic. Trust me with your family. Trust, trust me for provision. Trust me with your marriage. Trust me with your, with your kids. Trust me with your tomorrow. Trust me with your money and your bank account. Trust me with your future. And if you trust me, and if you seek me First, I'm not an add-in to your life. If you seek me first, then I will bless you and I will take care of you. That is what our God in heaven tells us. And we can trust him and we can put our hope in him. As we prepare for communion, I hopefully at this point, if you have your bread at home and, and your juice, I encourage you to, to grab it. And one of the things I appreciate so much about First Sunday at Centerville Community Church is we participate in unity around the Lord's Supper, and we remember and we reflect on what our Savior did for us on the cross and his incredible love for you and for me. So today I want to read the passage to you, and we'll partake Holy Communion together in Luke 22, verses 14 through 20. The words will be on the screen. When the hour came, Jesus and the apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, 
I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and he said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. In verse 19, it says he took the bread, he, he gave thanks, and it says that he broke it in Scripture. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I want you to take a moment in your home and thank your Father in heaven for his body that was broken for you. Church, this is the body of Christ you can take this morning and eat. It goes on in verse 20. It says, in the same way after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. I want you to take a moment and thank your Father in heaven for pouring out his blood on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for doing so. Church, this is the blood of Christ, and it was shed for the forgiveness of all of our sins so that we can be in right standing with the Father. I want you to take it and drink this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. We thank you for Jesus taking care of our sin, something that we could not do on our own. We could not pay our own sin debt, but Jesus took it upon himself to do so. Father, we are full of gratitude today. Father, we thank you that we have hope because of what Jesus did on the cross. Father, that we can have bold faith because of what Jesus did on the cross. Father, that we can trust and obey that you are good because every single one of your promises all throughout Scripture are yes. They're yes, and you fulfilled them. And God, because of that, we can trust you and we can obey. And God, for those today that you're working on their heart, God, I pray that you would continue to do so, that we would leave the areas you're calling us to leave. We would step out in faith and we would step out into the life that you've called us to and to get into alignment with you. God, we love you. I pray that you would bless this church as I know many are weary. I'm sure many are tired. Many are uncertain. Many are broken. Many are ready for this quarantine to come to an end. God, would you meet us no matter where we are today? Would you meet us right where we are? as I know you're a God that does that. We love you and we praise your name. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.